It's VBS week, can you tell? <laughs> I think we should leave the stage like this every week. That would be, that'd be really awesome, wouldn't it? Kids, are you excited about VBS? Yeah. Awesome. What is your favorite part about VBS? I hear a couple kids. What's your favorite part? Snacks? Some of you said snacks. Yeah, you can't have VBS without great snacks. Isn't that right? Or as Pastor Jeremy calls it, schnacks. I think is that how he says it? Yeah, I, I don't know how this church does it. I haven't been around long enough to figure this out, but I, I'm, I'm convinced that there are two kinds of VBS snacks, two kinds of churches out there. There's the churches who take the Oreos out of the package and they put them on a plate and they say VBS snack. And then there are the churches that take the Oreo out of the package and they put candy eyeballs on it and they put licorice legs on it and they put it on a marshmallow pillow and they say, it's a spider on a cloud, VBS snack, right? What kind of church is this, do you know? We're the spider, yeah, we're the one that like does something with the snack. Those are the, they're more fun to eat, right? Yeah, I heard somebody say games, other favorite part about VBS. I, I am sure that games are gonna be great this year. You know how I know? I mean, just look behind me, right? That, that's literally the theme. The whole theme for VBS is about games, video games and board games. How many of you are gamers? How many gamers do I have out there? Whether video games, board games, my, my family likes both. We have some board games that take several hours to play. We like video games, we kind of do both. What else do you love about VBS, kids? The theme? Yeah, theme this year is awesome. I heard somebody say music. I heard somebody say music before. Now, I never wanted to admit it as a kid, but, but this is probably one of the best parts about VBS is the music. Here's why. The games are fun. The snacks are great. The Bible stories are cool. But some of those VBS songs, I can still sing today from when I was a kid. Is that the same with you adults? You remember some of these songs? I, I memorized 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter, through a VBS song. I could probably still do some of the hand motions too with, with that song. And, and the theme of this year's VBS is a song. I don't know if you know that. I mean, this is, this is gamer theme, but the theme verse comes from a song. Psalm 25 verse 4 says, Make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Now, this comes from an ancient song written over almost 3,000 years ago, um, written by a guy named King David. You might have heard about King David. You might have read about him before or heard stories about him. So I thought that just for a few minutes this morning, what we would do is we would consider a few lines from this song. It's 22 verses long, so I, we don't have the, the full length of time for a sermon to, to look at the whole entire song. But what we're going to do is at least consider some of the overall themes in this song and especially focus in on verse 4, which is our theme verse for this week. We have a couple of ushers that are happy to hand out Bibles. If you need a Bible, just raise your hand and we are happy to give you one. If you don't own a Bible, this can be yours free of charge. We believe that much in making sure that you own a copy of God's Word. So just slip your hand up and we're happy to give you a Bible. But if you have your Bibles, open to Psalm chapter 25. What is a psalm, by the way? What is a psalm? It's, yeah, it's a song. It's a musical poem. All 150 psalms in the Bible were originally written to be sung. We don't have the musical notes to them anymore. We don't know exactly what they sounded like. Uh, they were originally sung in Hebrew and not in English. 
but these were like the VBS songs of the day. I think some of them at least had hand motions, maybe not all of them. Earlier in the service, we were going to read through Psalm 25, but what I want to do today here is I want to just read a little bit of Psalm 25. So if you have your Bibles open, let me read the first couple of verses here. We might not have all of this on the screen, but let me just read a few verses here to kind of get us thinking about this psalm. Look at verse 1, a psalm of David. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. O my God, in you I trust. Do not let me be ashamed. Do not let my enemies exult over me. Indeed, none of those who wait for you will be ashamed. Those who deal treacherously without cause will be ashamed. Make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all the day. Here's the game plan today. I want to tell you one really cool thing that you probably didn't know about Psalm 25. I want to tell you two facts about King David that are going to help us understand this verse. Then I'm going to tell you three themes that we see all throughout this song. This song. And after we do the one, two, three, we're going to focus on verse four, the VBS theme verse. Does that sound like a good game plan? One, two, three, and then focus on verse four. So one cool thing about Psalm 25, and if you have your notes, kids, I know you have some of those notes in front of you. You could feel free to fill in some of these blanks. Psalm 25 was originally written as an acrostic. That's a big word to start a sermon for kids here. What is an acrostic? An acrostic is a poem where the first letter of each sentence spells out a word or follows a theme. Like, I'm going to give you an example of this. My son, Nathan, my nine-year-old son, he wrote a beautiful acrostic poem for his mother on Mother's Day this year, and he gave me permission to share it. This is his Mother's Day poem for his mom, so I'll just read this in case you can't follow it. Mother, you see the word mother down the side, more otters to have ear rooms. It was really thoughtful. I mean, it really touched Janice's heart when he gave this to her. We have no clue what this means, but in Nathan's mind, this said, Mom, I love you. And, and hopefully she got the picture. This is an acrostic. You use a word or you use a theme down the one line and you kind of start each word or each sentence with that, that theme. Now, Psalm 25 does not spell the word mother. That would be weird. But each verse starts with the next letter of the Hebrew alphabet. So verse 1 starts with Aleph, which is like the letter A in Hebrew. Verse 2 starts with Beit, which is like the letter B. And verse 3 starts with the next letter and so on, all the way down to the second to the last verse of this psalm. Now, why is that important to know? I don't know. I just thought it would be cool for you to know, right? The one cool thing about this psalm, in my opinion, is that you've got not just the one cool thing, but one of the cool things is it uses the Hebrew alphabet as it goes through. So one cool thing, it's an acrostic, two facts about King David that are going to help us. Number one, David was a king who was musically gifted. He was the second king of Israel, one of the OG kings way back 3,000 years ago. David liked to write music. He played music. He played the, the equivalent of the electric guitar back in those days, which was just like the harp. And he wrote about half of the Psalms that we have in the Bible. That's a lot of chapters of scripture for him to write. Some of you are musically gifted. That's a blessing from God. 
And I would encourage you, like David, to use that music to serve the Lord. Write him songs. Learn new songs to sing about him. Even better, you can one day learn Hebrew and then put some of the original psalms to music and then we'll make Benjamin sing them on a Sunday. That's our, that's our hope for you. So David was a king who was musically gifted. Second fact about David is David was a man after God's own heart. That's what the Bible says. God was searching for a king who would listen to him, who would please the Lord, and David was that king. And that means that the things that he writes about in this psalm, they help us to know the heart of God. They help us to know what real obedience and what real love looks like. They help us to know what a correct attitude is from a godly person. So one cool thing, this psalm is an alphabetical acrostic. Two facts about David, he was musically gifted and he was a man after God's own heart. Now before we look at that fourth verse, let me talk about three themes in Psalm 25. If we had time to study this whole entire psalm today, what we would see is at least these three major things all throughout this chapter of Scripture. And all this is going to help us to understand that verse 4. So first major theme, David was suffering from persecution. David was suffering from persecution. This is clear all over this psalm. The title of this psalm doesn't tell us anything about why David wrote this, but if you read the psalm, we can guess why that was. He was being persecuted. That means that his enemies were trying to harm him because of his faith. He was doing the right thing, and he was being punished for it by people who hated him. Similar to what we saw last week in 1 Peter chapter 3, if you were with us last week. All over this psalm, we see this. Verse 19, he says he has multiple enemies who hate him with a violent hatred. Verse 3, he says his enemies deal treacherously against him without cause. That means that they lie about him, they cheat, they try to humiliate David. Verse 16, he tells us all this persecution makes him feel lonely and afflicted. Kids, have you ever been bullied? You know what it feels like to be bullied at school, wherever you might be? Maybe you know that feeling. Parents, maybe you know the feeling of being bullied in a grown-up way at work, sometimes even, unfortunately, at home. It's a horrible feeling, isn't it? It makes you feel lonely and afflicted. It makes you feel like you've got no friends around you. It makes you feel like you're going through this without anybody else helping you totally isolated. That's what King David was going through when he wrote this psalm. His enemies are picking on him. His life is in danger. He needed God's help. But persecution was not the only thing David was suffering from. He was suffering from persecution, but second theme, David was also suffering from sin. If you read through this psalm, you'll notice the many times that David talks about his sin. In verse 17, he describes his persecution by calling, or persecution by calling them troubles of the heart. So not just troubles from the outside, but troubles of the heart that he's going through. Twice in verse 7, then verse 18, he asks the Lord to forgive him and to forget all his sins. In verse 11, he acknowledges that his guilt is great. David was a sinner. He was a great king. He was a man after God's own heart. He wrote over 70 chapters of scripture. Just like me and you though, David was a sinner. And he knows that he can't erase that sin just by his own efforts. 
Being good is not good enough to earn you God's forgiveness. That's the heart of what we call the gospel, the good news. In fact, in verse 7, he says it's not only according to um, his own efforts, but it's according to God's loving kindness that he can be forgiven. Not by being good, not by going to church, not by knowing all the VBS hand motions, but he says it's only by God's loving kindness that he can be forgiven of his sins. That's what makes David a man after God's own heart. He didn't pretend like he was the best. He didn't pretend like he was player one, right? He didn't pretend like he was the godliest. Even when he was suffering for no fault of his own, he still took time to confess his sin before God. And that's what we are encouraged to do too in Scripture. To start by saying, God, I'm a sinner before you. But I believe that Jesus Christ died and rose again on my behalf. And the only way for me to be forgiven of my sin and to start a relationship with the Lord is to put my faith in Jesus, not in my own self, not in my own works, but to believe in Jesus, to repent of my sins, and I will be saved. That's what the Bible tells us. That's what we call the gospel. And we'll think a little bit more on that in just a minute. So David is suffering with persecution. David is suffering with sin. Third theme in this psalm, David praises God. David's suffering and David's sin cause him not to just think about his own misery, but to think about God. God is great, isn't he? If we just skim through this psalm, we see all these wonderful descriptions about how great God is. In verse 5, David says, God is a God of truth and salvation. In verse 6, God is compassionate and he shows loving kindness. In verse 7, God is good. Verse 8, God is upright. Verse 9, God is a leader and God teaches us. Verse 10, God is faithful. Verse 16, God is a God full of grace. Isn't that a great list? That is a great God that we serve. One time when Janice and I, my wife and I were dating, she made a list of all the things she liked about me. And it was a great list. I think I still have it somewhere tucked away. I really liked that list. It made me feel good. But that list is nothing compared to this list. Right? When we think about this list, there is not a person in this world that can live up to the words on this, on this page, the words in this psalm. Nobody is perfectly faithful but God. Nobody is perfectly good but God. Nobody is perfectly trustworthy but God. This is a list that is only true of God. No one in your life can fulfill the role of God but God. David knows that his only hope of being saved from his enemies and being saved from his sin is to trust in this good God. Trust in God. So we've looked at one cool thing about this psalm. We've seen two facts about King David, and now we've seen three major themes in this psalm. David was suffering from persecution. He's suffering from sin, but he takes time to praise God. With those one, two, three things in mind, let's look at verse four again. Verse four. Make me know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Now, one of the first things that catches my attention about that verse is that it's written in the language of a command. David is writing this and he's writing it to God, but he writes it in the language of command. We call it imperatives. In, in the original language. It's, it's a command language. 
Make me know your ways. Teach me your paths. Kids, Uncle Pastor Brian is going to give you a little bit of advice here for a moment. Generally, it's not a wise idea to command God to do anything. God commands us. We don't command him. Generally, it's not a wise idea to command authority figures in your life at all about anything. Can you imagine talking to your parents like this? Mom, teach me. Make, let's try it like this. Mom, make me some waffles. Teach me how to eat them. Right? Think about like it, talking to your teacher like this. Teacher, teach me your lessons and make me understand them. How about talking to a police officer or your boss or, or a drill sergeant like this? Teach me the law, oh officer. Make me understand why you're giving me a ticket. Make me do my job, oh boss. Teach me the proper protocol, oh drill sergeant. You're going to get in a lot of trouble if you talk like that. Normally, we don't command people who are in authority over us to do anything. They command us. But this is where it's important that we've studied some of the context of this psalm. We know David's a humble guy. He's a man after God's own heart. We know he recognizes his own sinfulness and his need for God's help in his life. So when we think about that, we realize this is not David arrogantly bossing God around, telling him to do things. This is not David demanding that God fill his head with more knowledge. It's actually written in what we call a causative command. Cause me to know your ways. Teach me, O Lord, humbly so. David recognizes that even in those areas of life that seem to be in his control, they are not. He has a responsibility to grow in his knowledge of God, to know God's ways, to know the word of God more. But even in those things, David knows he desperately needs God's help to grow in his knowledge of the Lord. He needs to rely on God for day-to-day -day spiritual growth, just like he needed to rely on God for his initial salvation. So what does it mean to know the paths of God? Have you ever thought about that? What does it mean to know them? This is not just head knowledge. David's not just saying, God, I want to know more about you. You can memorize a hundred Bible verses and still not have a saving relationship with God. You can memorize all the books in the Bible in order and even know how to spell them and still not be a Christian. You can know how to pronounce Habakkuk and still not be saved. You can know all these wonderful facts about God and not actually know him. I know people who have written huge books about God and about the Bible, but don't really know God at all. Listen to this. The measure of your godliness is not just how much do I know about God. It's how much do I know God. It's not just how much do I know about God. It's how much do I know God. Let me give you an example of this. I'm going to put a picture up here on the screen. Tell me if you know who this is. Who knows who this is? Who is it? Shout it out. Yeah, you're allowed to talk right now, right? If I need to silence you, I'm told I can say three, two, one. 
There you go. Three, two, one. I can just zap you into silence. That's, that's what they do. So this is Johnny Depp. He's a popular celebrity. He's the guy that played Jack Sparrow in the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. Very recognizable and in many great movies. If I told you I know Johnny Depp, would you believe me? No? Well, well what if I told you his birthday is June 9th, 1963? He's been married twice and he's been divorced twice. He has two children. His first acting role was A Nightmare on Elm Street. And at one point, he was the world's highest paid actor. If I told you all those facts about Johnny Depp, would you say, wow, Pastor Brian really knows Johnny? Well, why not? All of those are just facts. You could find every one of those facts on his Wikipedia page, which is actually where I found all those facts. To know someone is not just to know facts about someone. To know someone means that you have a special relationship with them. You share a bond with them. You spend time with them. You get to know them. There is something between the two of you more than just head knowledge. To know God is not just to know facts about God. To know him is to love him, to follow him, to obey him to spend time with him, to talk to him and back and forth with him through prayer and the word of God. It's an experiential, active, relational knowledge that David's using here. If I said, you know, me and JD, that's what I call Johnny Depp because we're real close friends. We, we hang out every weekend. Our families get together and we vacation together. We've been chilling for like 20 years together. If I said all those things and if they were true, which they're not, then you might say, yeah, Pastor Brian knows Johnny Depp. Connect that to your relationship with God. Do you know the Lord? Do you know God? Or do you just know facts about God? There is a huge difference between those two things. Do you know things about the Lord or do you know the Lord? Do you spend time with God? Have you been Spending time with God in the Word. Have you been spending time with God in prayer? Do you try to obey His commands? I was thinking about this verse this week too. 1 John chapter 2, the Apostle John says, Whoever keeps His Word, in Him the love of God has truly been perfected. By this we know that we're in Him. The one who says He abides in Him ought Himself to walk in the same manner as He walked. How do you know if you love God and you have a relationship with God? Well, how do you walk? Not just like physically, how do you walk? But do you obey God's commands? Do you follow him? Are you obedient to him? Connect this back to Psalm 25, verse 4. Make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. What are God's ways? What are his paths? The rest of the psalm helps us understand this. Verse 10 says, All the paths of the Lord are loving kindness and truth to those who keep his covenant and his testimonies. Verse 9 tells us that God teaches the humble his way. Verse 12 tells us that those who fear the Lord, God will instruct in the way. God desires for us to have a humble relationship with him, to strive to be faithful, obedient, and to keep God's commands, but to do that with the knowledge that God has to help us with it. Those are the people that follow the path of the Lord. Of course, they don't do this on their own strength. God helps them. Make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. 
David knows he can never perfectly obey all of God's commands. He can't perfectly follow God's path. He recognizes he needs God's help every step of the way. He is a sinner. And that same truth is true for us too. I'm not sure that we're all going through periods of persecution, but I am sure that we are all sinners just like David, which means that we all need help following God's path and keeping his ways and knowing his ways. So this is where all this leads us. Three things I want us to think about before we go. First, the most important thing is we need to ask ourselves, do I know about God or do I know God? Remember, there's a huge difference between those two things. Do I know about God or do I know God? Maybe you've grown up in church and you've gone to VBS, you've gone to kids club, but you're not really sure that you have a relationship with God. Kids, sometime today, if that's true of you, that maybe you're just not sure that you really have a relationship with God, talk to your parents about that sometime today. Just let them know, mom, dad, I'm really not sure that I know God. And I, I know that your parents will be happy to talk to you about that. Moms and dads, don't be afraid of asking your kids that question today. Bring up the subject with them. Don't wait for them to bring it up with you. But I would encourage the adults to think about this question too. Maybe you're uncomfortable with the answer when you think about it. Do I know God or do I just know about God? One of the most dangerous positions that we can be in is thinking that we are saved when we are not. Satan would love to keep you here in these chairs thinking that you're saved when really you just know things about God and you don't actually have a relationship with him. I would encourage you, if you're a grown-up and you're wondering in your heart whether you know God or not, to take time today and talk to one of our leaders. Talk to someone in a blue shirt. Talk to a trusted friend. Talk to a pastor. That might feel like an awkward conversation because you're a grown-up and having that conversation, but it's better to have it now than to wait and stand before Jesus and have him tell you, I never knew you, one day in the future. So think about that. Do I know God or do I know about God? Second, pursue God's paths and God's way through the Bible, through prayer, and through coming to church. One of the things I love about VBS is that your kids come and they are saturated with God all throughout the week. You sing songs about God. You hear lessons about God. The crafts and the games oftentimes even point in that direction toward God. Well, church is the very same way, just without as many games and snacks. Have you been reading your Bible lately? You don't have to wait until you're a grown-up, kids, to read your Bible. Even now, you can read Scripture. Even reading just a little bit every day is good for your spiritual health. Have you been praying lately? You can't claim to have a relationship with someone if you never talk to them. So talk to God through prayer. Have you committed to going to church? It's great to come on Sundays. I'm, I'm really glad that you're all here. The next step is to get involved in a small group of some sort, to get involved in a Bible study, a discipleship group, get accountable. Study God's word and pray together with other believers. So pursue God's paths and God's ways. And third, as we pursue God through the Bible, through prayer, through church, we want to keep in mind that we need God's help in doing all of this. We need God's help, not just to get saved, but in our day-to-day -day walk with the Lord. He's here to help us in our salvation as well. So when you open up the Bible, pray and ask God, teach me your ways, O Lord. When you're in prayer, God, show me your paths. 
Humbly submit yourself to God's work in your life every single day. That's what this verse encourages us to do. Let's take a moment and pray and ask the Lord to show us his ways and teach us his paths today. Thank you, Lord, for the words of King David in this psalm. I pray that just like David, we would submit ourselves to you, humbly recognizing that we are sinners. And I ask God that through our sinfulness that you would save us, Lord, despite how sinful we are. Thank you for Jesus on the cross, for his resurrection. I pray that we would all have faith and belief in him. Teach us your ways, O Lord. Show us your paths. Help us to know you and not just to know about you. And I pray for every person here that they would consider that question, whether they truly have a saving relationship with you. And if they don't, Lord, reveal that to them today, that today might be the day they get to know you personally. In Jesus' name we pray all of this. Amen. Thanks for being here today. I'd encourage you to be praying for VBS this week. Have a great Sunday.